It is March Madness. It is officially NCAA tournament time. And in this episode of the Locked On NBA Big War podcast, me and my guy, Leaf Tulin, we are going to break down the top prospects in the South region. Stay tuned. All right, big shout out to each and every person that has made the Locked On NBA Big Word podcast your first listen of the day. And this episode is brought to you by Prize Picks. First time users can receive a 100% instant deposit match up to $100 with the promo code Locked On. That is prizepicks.com, promo code Locked On. I'm your host, Rafael Barlow, with my co host, Leaf Tulin, that I mentioned in the open. Leaf watches more college basketball than anybody, so this is his time of year. This is where Leaf gets to shine. It's March. It's March 13th. The brackets have been released. I haven't done one yet. Have you been able to, to start yours yet? Uh, start, yes. I, I'm not close to finishing. I like, to, I like to really think about it, watch a little film on some games I'm uneasy about, and, and then I end up just going with feel by the end, but... I like to marinate on it a little bit. How often do you win? Like I have not won, and this is dating myself here. I have not won a bracket since 1997. I was well, in high pre- school. That predates me. <laughs> okay, so I was in high school, and I predicted Arizona to win. So that was like the Miles Simon, Jason Terry, Michael Dickerson, AJ Bramlett, Mike Bibby. <laughs> I can go on and. And, and named that that whole roster. Uh, but I got that one right. Then there's been times where I've gotten, like, the final game right and maybe the champion, but I didn't have enough points the rest of the way. And somebody – I don't know. I just never – I haven't even won money. Like, I haven't even won, like, third place, even fifth place. So my wife was asking me about doing a bracket. I was just like, look – just fill it out. Just go by team colors, whatever. You might have a better chance because, you know, I, I'd overthink it and 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 try to do too much, and it just makes no sense. And sometimes my bracket is cooked on the first day. So, but anyway, all right, let's talk about this region. It is the South region, and I had a hard time picking which region had the most prospects. Um have you had a chance to decide which one has, has like the most? Cause I broke mine down personally down into the top 10 prospects. And uh, sometimes guys get left off. I'm like, dang, he's going to be off my top 10. Yeah. I, I think the South has the most premier prospects okay. uh, guys that are, uh, it's either the South or the West for the most guys that you think are lottery bound in terms of depth. I, I think they're all fairly well distributed. Uh, I think the South has the main allure of the college prizes to the guys who've actually performed well and aren't much like aren't just potential plays. And Brandon Miller has been the best freshman in the country and Keontae George. And then there's Alabama's got a lot of talent on their roster. And then there's some guys that are veterans on some of these other teams that I think people around the country may know of, but don't know just how good they are. And they may have the opportunity to, to see some of them such as, Reese Beekman or Trey Alexander, guys that could be contenders to be second round picks should they come out. Yeah, Matt, I'm maybe I'm biased. I'm from Omaha. I'm a Creighton guy. So when I do my top 10, I'm like, can I really put four Creighton guys in my top 10? So, but this is all about 
your top 10. All right. So, I mean, I'm taking a wild guess here, but is Brandon Miller your number one prospect in the South? He sure is. I, I don't think there's there's too much crazy craziness here for me. I, I think I went team by team, so I'd have to I'm gonna have to reorganize, but there's no disputing the top seed is at the, at the top anyway, and he's the top player. Uh Brandon Miller, 19 and 9 type of guy all year, won the SEC regular season, did Alabama. They just won today the SEC postseason championship. And they're primed to to make a real final four run. He's the central figure uh, that that you can associate with Alabama. And uh, I think his game will be evident for the public to, uh, public eye right now, seeing just how dominant he is at the college level, what he can do when teams are scheming against him and, and have time to do so. So I think there'll be public scrutiny coming toward him, but I, I think he's very well equipped to handle it, as we've seen numerous times this season. Yeah, he had, to me, his worst game of the season today as far as shooting. He was 5 of 20 from the floor, 4 of 14 from three but he still finished with 23 points, 12 rebounds, four assists, was able to get to the free throw line 10 times. And I really like seeing how players can contribute to winning when they're having an off shooting night. And today was a day where the shot wasn't falling, but he was able to get to the free throw line. He rebounded and he had four assists. You're starting to see a little bit more of Alabama putting him in ball screens as the pick and roll ball handler. He's my number one prospect in the South on my latest big board that's coming out sometime this week. And I'll just go ahead and tease it now. I have moved him up to number two on my board. We'll get into that on another show. But Brandon Miller, number one prospect in the South for me and for you. So who's number two, the number two prospect in the South? I've got Keontae George on the three-seeded Baylor Bears. Uh, Keontae George didn't finish the year off great. He hurt his ankle uh, with about a week and a half left in the season and hasn't quite returned to being what I would say is yeah. an 100% Keontae George. But that's a dangerous team where shooting is super prevalent. And this is the type of tournament where guard play and shot making is really something that draws the eyes of scout. You've seen guys rise from good tournaments. Uh, an example of that would be like Dante DiVincenzo. And I think he was a relative unknown on draft boards. People knew who he was because he was on a very good Villanova team. But he was that star of a team that had Jalen Brunson, Mikel Bridges. Both guys are dominating the league right now um, and doing better than anyone could have anticipated. Yet he was the guy who won the MVP of that tournament. I, I say that because the tournament really puts a spotlight on these prospects. How do they perform on the biggest stage? How do they do when defenses are geared uh, to stop them? And I think he's the option number one to stop on Baylor, despite having a really talented player and Adam Flagler be the first team, all big 12 player on that team. And so uh, I'm curious to see how Keontae's ankle is and see how he does against some, some teams that have guys that are comparable to him. Like if they were to play Creighton in round two or, or NC state, they could play Turquavion Smith. I, I think that would be very fun to see them play. Yeah, I have him at number two on mine also. Hopefully the ankles are right. He just has not looked the same since the Texas game where he only played like six minutes. Only has 18 points combined in the two Baylor losses since he he returned. Has a few more days to, to at least try to get it right. But hopefully, again, Baylor's at full strength. You don't want to see teams going to the tournament, limping into the tournament. All right, so who is number three on, on your list for, for the South region? I have a hunch we're going to disagree here. Uh, I've got Noah Clowney, number three. Okay. And Noah Clowney is someone to me that I think 
the more you watch his game and try to like you squint in your eyes and you say, man, I can see the way they're playing, fitting into the NBA play style. And Alabama's easier to do that with than some other teams in this region. Uh, some of these teams team. run like a blocker mover and, <laughs> yeah. and they, they really force you to really be imaginative about the fits that they could play on the NBA level. Whereas Noah Clowney is pretty straightforward. He's a, he's a five that is a small ball five that can stretch the floor, defend multiple positions, rebounds well for his size, and if he starts knocking down jump shots at a higher level, he could be, he could very feasibly be a steal because defensively he's got the traits that I look for. So I have him higher than a guy that I think is going to be your number three. Um, that is that is a very talented scorer, and they're very different archetypes of players. But I find him more alluring for more teams, and that's why I I think he's a he's a better prospect than a guy like Terquavion Smith, who may may or may not be your guy. So I, I'm speaking in, in a, that's my hunch, but I don't know if that's true. Yeah. Quavion is number three on my list. Clowney's number four. But yeah, I had an agent ask me about Clowney recently, and uh, I had mentioned that I believe that if he came into the season with the same hype as like this McDonald's All-American, a guy that played, you know, like the Jordan brand or or Hoop Summit, he would have been, based off of his production on, on a, a team as good as Alabama's, then we'd be talking about him in you know, maybe back end of the lottery. Um, I, I really like him a lot. I have him as a, as a first rounder and I, I agree that he is a five. I think the shot is going to, to, to come. I mean, he's really the guy that we thought Khalil Ware was going to be, to be honest with you. So um, I, I like him a lot. All right. And at number four, you have Turquavion. Yeah, I got Turquavion number four and, I, I think he's a guy that gets an interesting vision from uh, scouts and just fans alike. Uh, I think because his inefficiency later in the year, he wasn't a first-team All-ACC, which he seemed to be a shoe-in entering the year and maybe even the favorite to be the player of the year. And you, you think about that, and it's a disappointment. But at the same time, his team's made the tournament, and it wasn't a wildly talented team. His teammate, Jarkel Joyner, is very performing very well. But I think you need to keep in mind that the the offense the the defenses are geared up to stop Terquavion. And so Joyner's getting the second defender or 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 even the tertiary at times. And Terquavion Smith is the focal point of this offense. And if in this type of setting, shot making is so prevalent. Guard play, holding the ball, big possessions. And I think this is an, a unique atmosphere. I mentioned this with Keontae George for a guy like him who's got this knack for hitting big shots and tough ones and shooting to be an apparent, like he, I think he'll be in a game that really will feature his skill set against Creighton. It's going to be run and gun, and I'll actually be there, so I'm very excited for this. Um, Creighton and, and NC State, I think, will be quickly uh, quaced, lots of threes shooting. So if he gets hot, I think that will really, really elevate his stock, more so than just any other prospect has a one game. Um, even if they lose that game, I think that there's a chance that he really elevates the stock because of shot making is such a big deal. And these type of ones and that pace, the way I expect the game to go, really suits the way he likes to play. And I think there's going to be a lot of scouts at that game trying to scout the various Creighton players as well. All right, yeah. When we return, I want to talk a little bit more in depth about Traquavion and some of the Creighton prospects. But let's talk about prize picks. And prize picks is daily fantasy made easy. So you're probably wondering, how does it work? All you do is pick two to six players, and if they would go score more or less than their prize picks projection, and you can win up to 25 times your money on any entry. There's no competing against other people. It is just you versus the projections available. 
and Prize Picks offers projections on any sport you may watch: NBA, NFL, Major League Baseball, men's college basketball, women's college basketball, WNBA, European basketball, cricket, golf. I mean, the list goes on, and the entries can be made in sixty seconds or less. It is that easy, safe, and fast withdrawals. And it is currently operational in over thirty states and Canada. So download the Prize Pick app. Or go to prizepicks.com to sign up and play daily fantasy sports. If you are a first-time user, you can receive a 100% instant deposit match up to $100 with the promo code locked on. If you deposit $100, Prize Picks will give you $100. If you deposit $50, Prize Picks will give you $50. So do not forget to enter the promo code locked on at sign up for an instant deposit match up to $100. All right, second segment here. We talked about Leafs' top four prospects. Our top fours, our top four prospects are pretty much the same. The same players, just the the order is flipped. I have Terquavion three, and he has Noah Clowney three, and vice versa. All right, number five. This is to me where it gets a little bit tricky and a little interesting. Who is number five? The number five prospect, I should say, in the South region for you. Yeah, this this is where it gets dicey for me. I I have a few trains of thought that I that have crossed my mind, and I think my number five may surprise some. I'm gonna go with uh, Reese Beekman at five. That's why I, I like at five. Yeah, a lot of people. This is where I, when I said earlier that the imagination must be used to see how they'll pl- be played in a different system. Virginia plays a very slow style, and they've actually become faster, but they are a team that runs a blocker mover. And for those of you who don't know what a blocker mover is, that is where the, the bigs, there are two bigs, they set pin down screens. It's what's called a floppy action typically. And they set two, a pin down screen on each side and the guards swing off and they look for slips if the big man is, they chase over or they shoot if they're ran under. Reese Beekman is the orchestrator of all of this and he's the point guard. So he gets assists, but his best attribute is defense. I think he's the best on-ball perimeter defender uh, in this draft, other than maybe Cason Wallace, because Cason's more physically uh, sturdy. Uh, Reese, and Anthony Black pressures the ball well, but with his length, but Beekman really is a, a, a pest defensively. His hands are unbelievable. And I think if he were in, playing in a faster tempo team, that he'd really thrive as a transition finisher and someone that can make really good decisions as a guy who plays uh, downhill and attacks the rim. And he's the only threat on Virginia to do so. So he's someone that I think fits into the NBA better than what his system uh, typically dictates to the public. Yeah, that Duke game on Saturday was a snooze fest. It was like 24 to 17. I forgot what time it was in the game. I, I, I took a screenshot of it, but it was actually kind of late in the game where it was 24 to 17. It was probably like, not late in the game, late in the first half. Maybe it was the halftime score. But whatever it was, it was... It was uh, a snooze fest. <laughs> That's for for lack of a better term for me. I have reset number five, and I agree 100% what you said. Defense is going to be his calling card. He has been in somewhat of a slump since he, I think he hurt his ankle early in the year, but I still think that he does have a, a skill set and a defined role in the NBA. And then I wonder like what he could be in a more, like you said, um, imaginative offense. So I agree there. All right, so at five, it gets a little tricky. So I, I know six all the way through. This is where our lists are probably going to be a lot different. Our top fives have been the same, a little different order, but 
this is where I think, like I said, it's going to get a little bit of, it's going to be some differences. Yeah, six for me, I'm going with a Creighton Blue Jay, and I'm not sure it's the one people expect. I'm going with Trey Alexander. Okay. Trey Alexander's a shifty two guard who's got a bit of a combo guard type of game. Uh, last year, he was a freshman. Ryan Nemhard missed the tournament, and he really opened my eyes because he was playing the one, and you could see he was a two guard, but he still adapted well, led Creighton to a win, come from behind against San Diego State, and then lost in a close one against Kansas, and I thought he played very well in that game. Uh, and and this year, he's not really overwhelming with his numbers, but he's their go-to scorer and, and creator late in games. And that, that matters to me, just knowing that they can trust him to create and manufacture a shot from nothing. And I find that to be an appealing trait for a lot of players. And some players really lack it. Uh, so he's someone that I've got my eye on to if they make a run to rise up draft boards because he's got a good touch shooting the ball. He shoots the ball off a catch and shoot nicely, but he also has a good off-the-bounce game. And I think guys who have off-the-bounce games and then are not asked to be as creative with the ball at the next level tend to have more uh, shooting ability than their percentages might dictate. So he is my number six of this South region. So I didn't have him in my top 10, and I feel like I didn't want to put five Creighton guys on there or four Creighton guys on the, on the rest of my top 10. It really is Creighton's. I guess four guys. I mean, they probably only play like five guys. Really, their rotation is pretty thin. I have Baylor Shireman, but I don't think you can go wrong with with either one. All right, but let's talk about NC State and Creighton. I can't wait. I'll be there. It's going to be awesome. Yeah, you'll be there. Now, where where is it going to be at again? That's going to be in Denver, Denver. Uh, as will Baylor and UC Santa Barbara, and then the winners of those two square off. Well, that is going to be a Creighton crowd. I mean, one state over even though it's like Creighton, if you hear geography lesson here, Creighton or Nebraska and Colorado are neighbors, but Omaha is on the far, as far east as you can go in the state of Nebraska. <laughs> and Denver is, uh, I guess you can say it's somewhat in the middle of Colorado. I want to say I haven't made the drive in a while. In a while. I want to say it's like a 10-hour drive. But once you, I mean, get to certain parts of like Eastern Colorado, it is so flat you can drive 150 miles an hour and you can see where here. I'm not telling you the speed, but anyway, I said all that to say this. I think it's going to be a huge pro Creighton crowd, but that game is going to be exciting, and I think it's going to be a game where either my guy Terquavion goes off for 30, or he has like one of his cold shooting nights. I just I can't see it being anything in the middle. And I know you haven't done your bracket yet, but just a quick gut feeling. First thing that comes to mind, who's going to win that game? I'm going to go Creighton because I think Ryan Kalkbrenner can make it difficult on Burns to score on the interior. And then it'll be too much reliance on the three-point shot for NC State. And uh, and they can make them, but it's just I think there's, there's more versatile ways to score for Creighton. Did you – think NC State would be this good this year? I mean, losing Darion Sebron, they got significantly better. I did not see that. I know, I know they added some transfers, but I'm just glad to see Turquavion on the winning team and, and get a chance to play in the NCAA tournament. Brief answer is no. I didn't I didn't know that Jarkel Joyner was going to take a leap as significant as he has. And then Casey Morsell, a former Virginia player, really has taken a significant stride in his second year at NC State as well. Yep. All right. When we return, 
we'll cover where are we at seven, eight, nine, and ten. I'm yep. like, we got one segment to cover the last four prospects. And based off my board, it's a lot of Creighton guys on there. I'm gonna find out who Leaf has on his board. All right, before we get into the last segment, if you want to eat healthy, then I have a treat for you. If you're looking to eat healthy, but you don't want to compromise the taste, then you have to try a built bar because with built bars, healthy is actually tasty. And if you're wondering what makes them so good, it's that they are covered with 100% chocolate. Yes, that is right. They're healthy and covered with 100% real chocolate. They come in unbelievable flavors like churro, peanut butter, brownie, coconut almond. Not sure how they do it, but they found out a way to make it tasty and healthy. Only 130 calories, 4 grams of sugar, sugar, and a whopping 17 grams of protein. What makes it great now is that you don't have to just go to Built.com to get a box. You can go to Walmart. If you go to Walmart, they're in the pharmacy section. You can grab a four-bar box of cookies and cream, double chocolate, or coconut puffs. Or if you want more, there's a 13-bar box at Sam's Club. Brownie batter, churro, you can thank me later. But if you still want to just order them, go to Built.com. All right, last segment. We left off at number six, I believe. So now we are at number seven and number seven, actually number six on my list was Baylor Shireman, the Creighton. I want to call him a sniper, but I think it's kind of wrong to put him in a box as just a shooter, even though he was a like 47% shooter last year, his three point percentage has dropped down to about 36, but he does so many different things on the floor. He's a good rebounder. He passes the ball and you still can't, leave him open as a shooter. It was really weird is that he is shooting like efficiently on contested three pointers, but when he's left open, according to the synergy stats, that's where he struggled at as a shooter. But again, shooter can't leave open over around 40% from three over four years. He is number six on my board. Who is number seven on yours? Man, this is really where it gets interesting. I'm going to go with a little sleeper here. I'm going to go with Kobe Brown of Missouri. That's who I had number seven on mine. Okay, so so we're of the same mind. This is a guy that up until recently, I was familiar with who he was because Missouri at times was ranked within the top 25. And as a college basketball nut, I, I really try to watch all just about every team. But the games I'd watched, he hadn't wowed me. And then I looked at his stat lines recently, scoring 16.2 points per game, 6.3 rebounds per game, 2.5 assists per game, shooting 56% from the field and 46% from three. This is a guy with size and versatility, and I wouldn't say he's a tremendous athlete, but he's a solid one. And this is a guy who's doing that in SEC play, which to me is the second best uh, conference in America. And that that really is important to me because competition level, being the main guy whose defense, the defenses are really keyed in on, uh, means the degree of difficulty is harder to achieve that efficiency level. So he's a guy that I, I... kind of have moving up my board. And I, I will admit he was not in my top 60 as of a couple of weeks ago. And now I'd, I'd slot him within my top 45. They, they, the only thing factoring against him is, is his age. And I think of many of these beyond the first couple, first four are probably second round picks, but he's a guy that I think people may get an introduction to, because I think Utah state is a good offense team, not a great defensive team. And should they advance Arizona is similar. Yeah, I had start really watching his film probably early February. I like that he's 6'8", 250. And when you just like look at his profile on ESPN, you can think, 
okay, maybe he's a bruiser. 6'8", 250, that just sounds like your traditional bruiser. But he's he's skilled. He has broad shoulders. He is physical. He can't power through players. But he's a sneaky good passer. He finds cutters. There was a game a couple of days ago, I guess, um, Tennessee, I believe, and a scout reached out to me. He was asking me what what I like about him because this was his first time seeing him in person. And I had mentioned, I said, man, I think that he is a very underrated passer. And literally like maybe two minutes after I sent the text, he got this rebound through this beautiful outlet pass for layup. And the scout hit me back and was like, now I see what you mean. And, um, but I like him good touch around the rim. He can shoot off the catch. As you mentioned with the three point numbers, he's efficient around the rim. He's not like a great athlete, but he has a quick second jump. And for his role, I think that is going to be important. But I like him a lot, and I actually had him at number seven also. All right, so let's get to number eight. I was I was wondering about putting him six. I thought about putting him above Alexander. Number eight for me, we're still of a similar mind. I, I was torn between Shireman and Kalkbrenner. Um, the thing about Kalkbrenner is I think he's going to return. So I'll explain my why I've got Baylor Shireman at, at number eight for me. Uh, Shireman, as you mentioned, is a tremendous shooter. And the eye test tells me that, that he cannot shoot an open shot because he'd rather shoot a contested one and it's going to be nothing but net. He's got mm-hmm. tremendous range. And the thing that people, I think when evaluating people forget, unless they're a center is rebounding. Like one of my favorite traits of any prospect, uh, in the country this year in college basketball is Jalen Wilson's rebounding. So Baylor Shireman's got a nose for the ball. He rebounds a, a very high level. Uh, and he he's able to, instead of sticking out like a sore thumb uh, as a as a guy who was just a lead guy and being like, man, I'm not the lead guy anymore. Because he was at South Dakota State, he he would shoot a ton of shots. He finds a way to contribute even in games he's not shooting well, and that's that's something I've been very impressed with him this year. Because in the NBA, that's not going to be his role. He's going to be a shooter and someone that's asked to defend functionally and intelligently. And what else can you contribute? And I think rebounding is that trait for him is the what else. And so that's why I have him moving up in a general direction. I don't know where I'd put him on a board, but he's trending upward for me. And like you said, the what else? And for me, the what else is his rebounding and his passing. I think he's a very good ball mover. Not necessarily a guy that is going to be your, your pick and roll ball handler, your secondary ball handler, but he can make skip passes. He can find open shooters and cutters. And I think that he has enough shooting, passing, and rebounding to where he can contribute contribute to a team. So at number eight, I had his teammate, Arthur Kaluma, who talked about it at length before in previous podcasts. He was, I want to say at one point, he was number 15 on my board coming into the season. I thought it was between him and Terquavion as the, the two best sophomores. And Kaluma has made gradual statistical improvements but not the jump that I that I expected. But if he has a good tournament like he did last year, then I think Creighton has a has a chance to I don't want to say be a surprise because they were really highly ranked coming into the season. They've kind of been a little bit disappointing. I think a lot of it is based off of off of their depth, but I have Kaluma at number 8 and I think if he plays like he played against Kansas then watch out. Yeah, Kaluma, Kalkbrenner, I'll answer eight and nine right now. I think that they're razor-thin margins between the two. Kaluma, the issue for me is when he plays his best, he's a ball stopper, and that's never going to be a trait that he's going to 
be able to carry out successfully at the NBA level. So I want him to blend in more so than he has. When when he plays his best basketball, it's when the ball stops with him and he attacks the rim and uses his ability at the rim and, and just strength that's advanced over collegiate athletes. Um, that, I think, minimizes the advantage at the NBA level because then he's, instead of being an above average, he's about average, maybe below average in terms of explosiveness. Mm-hmm. So I, I have my concerns there. However, it's hard to deny the athletic traits. He's big, he's strong, he shoots it. Not well, but adequately, and he, he's a very good defender at the college level. As for Kalkbrenner, he's the defensive player of the year in the Big East, and it's hard to ignore this archetype of a skilled center who's able to influence shots at the rim and maybe really divert the opponent's offense away from the rim, and that's why he's the most valuable player on Creighton, in my opinion. When he was sick and injured at the beginning of the year, they lost six straight games, and then they ended up winning a lot of games in a row after, before and after. Coincidence? I think not. Um, NBA is going to be interesting. He's got to add a lot of strength to his frame, but there are some similarities to a guy I know very well in Walker Kessler as a jazz fan. And I think he needs to put on some physical strength and he's not quite the athlete Kessler is, but if you're getting him at 55, it's worth a gamble. Yeah. And you know, I, I forgot that he was on that team USA team. Was it a couple of summers ago that played mm-hmm. Wimbayama? That team was loaded with Chet Holmgren and Jaden Ivey and, uh, Kennedy Chandler, I mean, Mike Miles and Harrison Mike Ingram. Miles, Harrison Ingram, yeah. So he was on that team, and at one point this season, I really and I watched Craig games. I want to say, and you probably remember this. Maybe we tweeted about it. Didn't he make like twenty-two or twenty-three consecutive shots? And I, I saw like I promise you, it was like three games where every time I would like watch here and there, I never saw him miss, <laughs> and. I don't know what he finished the season with, but I know at one point I, he was shooting like 70% from the floor. Yeah, no, he he had a stretch where I believe he was about 28 of 30. I'm pulling it up right now. But I, he he's someone that, that really can impact a game, and he's got good touch. He also shot 77% as a true big from the free throw line, and that's pretty impressive. So he went he went 20 of 21 in a two-game stretch against mediocre competition. Then he went 9 of 12 against Arkansas, a very athletic team. 5 of 8 against Arizona and 9 of 10 against Texas, followed up by 8 of 9 against Butler. So there, there are some games early in the season where he truly dominated on both ends. Yeah, it just doesn't seem like like he misses. And in the the, the games in Maui, I don't even think he was 100%. And he was coming in and out, in and out of the lineup. He finished shooting, he finished 71% from the floor, which is, which is crazy. All right, so you had him at number... Was he number nine? I know you did eight. Yeah, nine he and Kaluma were eight and nine. I don't really know which order. I'm, I don't feel too strongly either way. All right, number ten. This is where you know you're gonna have some people upset because you left somebody off the list who they probably have as a second round pick. But who is number ten on your list? Uh, he might be my favorite player in the entire thing, other than Beekman. Uh, it's it's uh, Jalen Slauson. Okay. <laughs> The the one I'm leaving the one I'm leaving off is Trey. Uh, sorry, not Trey Alexander. Um, it is Ryan Nemhart, who is the guy that I really love. So, you, what I about Tabellus? I don't I don't buy him as the NBA prospect as much. So, so I'll I'll explain the logic for Jalen Slauson. Slauson's appeal from Furman, is that from Furman, from Furman from yes, okay. he's from is SoCon champs Furman. He's a guy who can shoot the ball, put the ball on the floor. He's also the two time reigning Defensive Player of the Year in the SoCon. Furman, I've watched plenty of. They're a real threat in, in this region, especially against a team like Virginia, where they both play slowly, maximize their possessions, 
and he may be the best scorer on the floor on either side of the ball. So he's even the best though he scorer. doesn't lead his team in scoring, I think he's the best player and he gets the most attention defensively. Mm-hmm. So uh, I agree that there's there's an argument for that, and there's also an argument that Beekman, if he just puts his mind to it, can. But he also doesn't lead his team in scoring. Mm-hmm. Um, but the point being, you got you can't teach versatility, size, and shooting, and he's got a nice blend of the three. All right, yeah. So he just missed my list. Um, I had um, I had for my nine and ten, I had Tubelis from Arizona, and then I had Adam Flagler from Baylor. Those were my I nine love and Flagler. 10. And then uh, Slauson was like my honorable mention. Trey Alexander was my honorable mention. So was Balo, LJ Cryer, Jalen Bridges. It was hard for me to narrow it down to 10. And then in my mind, it was like, all right, even though you're talking about best prospect, it's still hard to not think about who's going to have a better NCAA tournament game, right? And so it's hard for me to not, it's hard for me to think that Tubelis is not going to be one of the top ten players. He's definitely he's definitely the top one of the top ten in this region. And real quickly about Flagler, I truly believe he might be the best shooter in this draft. So is this he, is not is he to, better than Cryer? <laughs> I think he is because he takes higher degree of difficulty shots because he shoots him off the dribble. Cryer gets most of his off the bounce uh, off the catch. Uh, but it's, there's only so many guards that in the NBA level that are like six three and, and will be off ball. Yep. Uh, so I, I, I mean, Bryn Forbes uh, arrest obviously not the point of this, but but he's one of the few guards that is diminutive in size and has made an NBA career that's lasted a while um, just by being a catch and shoot guy. And I don't think there's a role that's enormous enough uh, for him, but he's one of my favorite players in the country, and I tweet about him often. I've seen the tweet. All right, well, that wraps up this episode where we covered the South. But thank you for making the Locked On NBA Big Board podcast your first listen of the day. Now check out the Game to Game NBA podcast, every moment, every top result. Locked On Game to Game covers every game from across the NBA. It's available on the Odyssey app, YouTube, or wherever you get your podcast. But me and Leaf are not done. In the next episode, we will talk about the East region. Stay tuned, and we are out for now.